mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. We've had a very lovely week in the Ryan Kutstra household. I spent loads of time with the children this week, taking them along our very trash high street. Though how trash can it be, really, when you have a Waitrose? And we pop into the Waitrose, the kids get to choose a cake and usually a cheese, and they really love it in there. And we have a lovely clientele. You know, I live on the outskirts of London in a beautiful house with kind of a trash high street, but high streets are always evolving. And that's not to say that I think my neighbors are trash. There are enough things for kids to do. We have sing and sign. We have monkey music. We have a library. We have a park. There's a beautiful cafe within the park. We have a gymnastics club. And I meet loads of amazing moms all the time. Loads of really nice ladies. Loads of beautiful children. Loads of dogs. And I have yet to acclimatize fully to the British culture. I've been here 16 years. It is a bit of a disappointment that I, I haven't got the memo, you know, but there are things that I do that make me very un-British. For example, in our outskirts of London neighborhood, we don't have very good takeaway. The Deliveroo Uber Eats options are quite limited. And the other night I ordered like a pan-Asian dish, you know, dinner for everyone, not the kids, dinner for Violet and Bobby and me from a place I'd never heard of, but it had really good ratings. The food arrived and it was genuinely inedible, like just salty. I don't know how to describe it, but there's a type of instant rice that's really mushy and salty. And when you get that, you just know the rest of the order is going to be awful. And awful it was, like just really chewy meat, no fresh vegetables, everything was brown. Like it was just not what I like. So I gave it five stars because I'm a little bit British. I gave it five stars because Deliveroo prompts you to rate the meal. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even given any feedback. And there's a little place where you have to write something. And usually I skip that. But after giving it five stars in the little box where you put your comments, I just put, we really didn't like it. I felt that that was very British of me. Five stars. I always give five stars. But we really didn't like it. Similarly, if I get terrible service in a restaurant, I always tip even if I really didn't like it. So I just had to be honest with other customers and let them know quietly in my comments, we really didn't like it. And lo and behold, I get a message from the manager being like, what did you not like? Let's talk about it. And I just, this is why it's just not worth complaining because I don't want to get into a back and forth. I don't want to fuck up anyone's day, but I did fuck up someone's day on the, uh, leaving the waitress. But I did fuck up someone's day on my way out of the waitress the other week. And I know I have a feeling that this woman knew what was going on because she was on the phone. First of all, who's on the phone anymore? Who uses that app on their phone? And she had a dog on a lead and she hadn't crossed the zebra crossing yet. She had come out of the lovely waitress. I was with my kids. I was crossing. And she was kind of hanging around the bin. The dog was sniffing around the bin and she was distracted by her phone call. But I saw that this dog was actually pooping on the sidewalk. And it took the dog a few minutes. And then as soon as he finished or she finished, didn't check the gender, the woman started to cross. 
She was still on the phone, and I thought to myself, don't say anything, Catherine. Don't say anything. Because I don't care. I don't have a vendetta about these things. But the only issue is that when you have nice shoes or when you have small children, if anyone's walking around there and happens to fall in it or get that bacteria on them somewhere, and I know you guys don't take your shoes off, so I can't have any of you stepping in dog shit and then going into the library or somewhere where the bacteria will be and it'll get on my kids' hands or my hands. And I wrestled with this for the entirety of the time it took to cross. And then I stopped the lady. I said, excuse me, she pooped over there, is what I said. And the woman was like, oh, did she? Oh, oh, and went back. And I just know this woman was very polite. And look, we all try to sneak a little bit of wrongdoing past. You know, like, I don't want to pick up dog shit either. But I'm afraid it is a toxic substance. You have to get it off the street. I can't have you being a danger to your neighbors. So is it my new haircut? Have I gone full Karen? What would you have done? I don't want to be the neighborhood police. I don't want to mess with anyone. But this I felt was necessary to say. And I said it in a very nice way. I wasn't like, are you going to pick that up? You know, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I don't know what was happening on that phone call. Maybe she was on with a lover or there had been some distressing news, whatever. But I just had to let her know. There's shit over there and I'm not picking it up. The Sex and the City franchise is alive and well. You might have seen Sex and the City when it came out on HBO like I did. I was definitely too young to watch it, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. And now it's been sanitized. They've taken out a lot of the sexual language and definitely some of the offensive language, uh, like the T word, the use of T word back then. It was used in a positive way, I think. But we don't say those things anymore. That was all in the original Sex and the City. And I think that we can forgive writers because it was so long ago. And you might have seen it edited on a flight or on a different network, but it's originally an HBO show. The streaming wars are heating up because the entire catalog has been sold to Netflix. That means Gen Zs will be able to binge all of the Sex and the City that we absorbed week by week in drips and drabs, you know, as not to affect our frontal lobes and cerebral cortex too profoundly, they're going to be able to watch all of it in 24 hours. And what will kids Brady's age do with all of that information? I think it's going to be too much for them. I don't know if Violet, well, look, Violet watched Saltburn. And I like to see it having a resurgence. I think it's good to take the positives from something and just throw the negatives away and go, oh yeah, people used to talk like that. Otherwise, we get into a burning books situation. And it's more popular than ever. I mean, at first I thought I was glad that news of Che Diaz character, Sarah Ramirez, was departing because I did not like Che Diaz. But I think that I liked not liking Che Diaz. I didn't like the, the stand-up element. I didn't feel that it was accurately portrayed. I didn't find Che Diaz funny. I didn't understand the culture of like, I'm a stand-up. Oh, now I've lost my TV show. I work at a vet. Like, I just thought what is going on in New York City? But all of the non-binary stuff was great. They have reportedly been fired for posting pro-Palestinian content. The only basis for this, because another source said, no, Che Diaz's character was on the chopping block anyway because their storyline had really wrapped up. They didn't bring much to the show. But Sarah Ramirez, who's also non-binary in real life as well as on the show, posted like, oh, well, they give awards away. They're blacklisting actors and producers and anyone who speaks on social media pro-Palestine. People are losing jobs. Hollywood is full of hypocrites. I mean, Hollywood is full of hypocrites. And I don't know exactly what they posted. But I can't help but wonder who they will replace Che Diaz with this series. And what will we see Sarah Ramirez in next? Have they been blacklisted? Or have they just sort of wrapped up their character on the show? Sarah Jessica Parker's original tutu skirt, which uh, the costume designer found in a bin, by the way, for $3 in New York City, it was just sold to auction for $52,000. I see the value in it. I mean, if you are a New York fashion collector or you're like a really wealthy person who is a fan of the show, then that is a piece of history. It's a relic. It's art, just like the Marilyn Monroe dress was art. When you consider where it's been and how iconic it was, I mean, I think $52,000 for a true fan with money, because there are people who are very rich now, to someone, that's a bargain. And I'll tell you who can afford it, namely Kim Cattrall, 
who played the iconic Samantha Jones in the original Sex and City series. Fans of And Just Like That will have noticed that she was not a part of series one or two, and there's bad blood between all of the actresses, apparently. The three girls versus Kim Cattrall. And I have met Kim Cattrall one or two times in London. She is a Canadian girl who resides here some of the time and works here. She's a very serious theatrical actress. And I feel that in turning down and just like that on ethical, moral terms, you know, she's like, I did it. I did the movies. I don't like those girls. Those girls don't like me. She didn't say that outright, but there was quite a heavy subtext. Apparently, there's bad blood between Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker. Something happened, and Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon allegedly like sided with Sarah Jessica Parker. That's the best intel that I have so far. So I feel that Kim Cattrall carried herself with dignity and poise, and she never really badmouthed them, but she was just like, I don't have an interest in doing that show. It's done for me. And so people were disappointed not to see her in series one of And Just Like That. Fans love Samantha. Series two, again, I'm sure they threw loads of money at her, but someone with high self-esteem and very clear boundaries does not bulk under pressure, whether it be financial or otherwise. And then series three, they said, will you give us three hours, including hair, makeup, and wardrobe? Just do a quick little thing on a green screen for a million bucks. And she said yes, as you or I would, because we've all struggled. We've all waited tables before. When someone in a financial crisis offers you a million dollars, you take it. You take it. Three hours of her time. Hair and makeup takes two hours. Wardrobe, I don't know how involved she was with that. It can be 15 minutes. It can be days of fittings and everything else. Three hours? She walked on set. She said, hello, everyone. The other actors weren't even in the room. She performed on a green screen, gave the people what they want, and then cashed a check for $1 million, like a supervillain. And let that be a lesson to all of us. When you have imposter syndrome where you think, oh, no, you know, maybe I should. Because how old is Kim Cattrall? She must be, and no offense to Kim Cattrall, she must be about 60, and that's only going by her body of work, not her body, because I would guess much younger. Kim Cattrall is Canadian actress, 67? All right, so we see what happens in Hollywood. You're a young, hot thing. You turn 40, they take you out the back and shoot you in the face. You're 67 years old, and you gotta be thinking, I know that I'm a talented actress. I don't really need any more money, but it would feel good to be offered great roles. I love my job. I'll never stop loving my job. And it kind of hurts that for years in Hollywood, I was this sexy young thing and maybe no one will offer me a job again. Like maybe I'm too old. I got to get out of the game. I would imagine that these are the thoughts going through an older actress's mind. Maybe I should say yes to and just like that. Every job's your last job. Maybe I won't ever be offered anything else, but she held out two series in a row and they got a million dollars for like 10 minutes of actual time that amounted to like seconds of screen time. I mean, what a fuck you to her enemies, by the way. How much did Sarah Jessica Parker get for the season? Oh, so it's been a long-standing claim that Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall fell out while filming Sex and the City. Now the show's executive producer, Michael Patrick King, has claimed that there's a bit more to it than clashing personalities. He alleged the battle for the highest paycheck is what tore the stars apart. So Kim Cattrall, who played Samantha, would never accept that her salary was less than Sarah Jessica Parker's. She wanted to be paid the same. Reportedly, these are the and just like that salaries as they stand. Cynthia Nixon and Kristen Davis are getting between 650 and 750,000 per episode. According to Variety Magazine, Sarah Jessica Parker earned more than 1 million per episode of and just like that. Well, there you go. That's what she said then. That's what her hard line was. Kim Cattrall went back and she said, yeah, I'll be in one episode. I got about 10 minutes, but you are going to finally pay me exactly what you're paying Sarah Jessica Parker. And she had to probably write the episodes, co-produce the episodes, show up every day, be the star of the episode. 
Here's what's happening in the TV and film industry. If you didn't know already, a million an episode is three times less than Sarah Jessica Parker used to be making when Sex and the City was at its peak on HBO. I mean, it was the golden age of getting paid to be on television. But with all these streamers and all the competition and stuff, it's just not that way anymore. And then for Sex and City film, she got 15 million for the first, 20 million for the sequel. Along the way, Gap paid the actress a reported $38 million in 2004 to start in a series of ad campaigns. So, I mean, these ladies are all doing very well. Their personal net worth is in the tens of millions, all of them. And it's just nice to see them all getting along, sort of. Or at least having all of them together for this Sex and the City series. Will there be another series after this one? I don't see it. Not if they can't top the controversy of Che Diaz. If we can't hate watch it, my husband and I are not in. Every week I come on the podcast, clips of the podcast are released online, and I anger men more than sufficiently. I don't set out to do that. I don't want to be a professional irritant. I don't aim to be provocative. But I see the comments. I know the feedback. I cannot say that I'm too hurt. But it does pain me that now I think I'm about to lose the respect of some feminist listeners. I am sorry. Goodbye. Farewell. I hope you consider that sometimes we can disagree and still be friends. But the Oscar controversy surrounding the Barbie snubs. Now, Barbie, if you didn't know, is a huge, huge movie that has grossed billions at the box office. It's a huge success, all based off the Mattel franchise. It's a movie about a doll, but it's got comedy. It's got heart. Not that the Oscars ever really reward comedy. You know, there's no comedy category. They're a little bit of a, I mean, they're a little bit. They're quite a snooty organization, the Academy. And awards don't mean anything to me or to you. But in Hollywood, I do understand that if you win an Oscar, then not only is it an honor, but your paycheck goes up. You become a bigger box office draw. And anything that affects your money, I see how it affects your spirit, you know? So I'm with you. You want to win an Oscar, especially when you see your peers winning them and, and your movie did the best. So Greta Gerwig directed Barbie and was not nominated as best director. And people are screaming that this has to do with misogyny in the industry, the patriarchy, especially of Hollywood, that the Academy would have looked at this and been like, no, no, no. And Margot Robbie, who gave an incredible lead performance as Barbie, this huge, you know, because I would think that the movie business cares about business. They care about billions of box office dollars. So they would go, what was our biggest film of the year? Everyone in that's getting nominated. But no, Margot Robbie didn't get nominated either. What has really infuriated people is that Ken, uh, played by Ryan Gosling, another Canadian actor, Ken, who's just Ken, you know, he's Barbie's sidekick. It sort of goes with the whole theme of the film that he comes to planet earth or like real world and all of a sudden he realizes oh the patriarchy is something cool yeah ryan gosling is nominated for best supporting actor along with america ferrera nominated for best supporting actor so there are barbie nominations in there but it's not the leading lady and i think that's fine i think it's a little bit fine that margot robbie wasn't nominated because in films in storybooks and in life, the supporting actor, especially when she's a woman, gets to do more. I think gets to be funnier, draws you in a little bit more. And I think that's because most of us are supporting characters. The leading lady, especially if she's as beautiful and perfect as Barbie, I mean, expertly executed by Margot Robbie, but Barbie's just not that deep. Even when she goes to Earth and she's like, oh, and here's what I have to tell you about yourself and about being a girl. You know, it was a moving performance. But at the end of the day, like, eh, do I watch that movie and I want to be Barbie or do I want to be Ken? Ken, the execution and the writing of Ken, the directing of Ken and the portrayal of Ken by Ryan Gosling was so like funny and fun and nuanced. And Margot Robbie's character was just not written as meaty for her. And let's not forget that a woman was nominated. America Ferreira is not just a female supporting character. She's a Latina woman, so there is representation there. Like, are we only upset when white women don't get nominated? I'm shocked that the Academy is nominating anyone in that meaningful, deep, you know, drama comedy because from everything that I can see, they hate comedy, but 
can move to be the most. I think he was the funniest one. I think Ryan Gosling got a lot of backlash when he took the role because it's like, oh no, he should be doing more serious art films. Like, guess what, Hollywood? Nobody like me enjoys your serious art films. Usually when the Oscars come on, I'm totally confused because I don't like to feel sad. And you make movies about like child abuse and murder and crazy shit that I'm not watching. So you make Barbie, I'll be there. I think Barbie's boring. She did a great job. She did the best she could do with the role. But I mean, was that an Oscar-worthy performance? Could it be? Now, Greta Gerwig being snubbed, that I have a problem with. She directed the film. She is arguably responsible for America Ferrera's performance, for Ryan Gosling's performance, for the fact that the movie as a whole was so well executed that it brought in billions at the box office. That's actually nuts. And in most director categories, there's never even a female nominated. Ooh, there is a lady nominated, Justine Triette and Martin Scorsese. Okay, Yorgos Lanthimos, Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Glazer. A lot of names that we see before. One woman, four men. There was room for Greta Gerwig on that list. And where does that leave me? Do I have internalized misogyny that prevented me from seeing the Barbie leading role as being Oscar worthy? I hope not. I don't think so. But I think that comedy is subjective and you have to find something funny. Men don't think that, well, some men think that women can't be funny and some women think that women can't be funny. So no matter what you do, they'll never see it because they have a conscious or unconscious bias preventing them from seeing it. But when you watch the Barbie movie, and to be honest, I didn't love it. I thought it was a great movie, but it's not my favorite movie. I'm not going to watch it again. It didn't make me, like, I didn't think it was hilarious. But when I watch that movie, I want to be Ken. In life, it's okay for all of us, boys, girls, and in between, to be just Ken. (laughs) But I know that I have a weird way of ingesting art in life. I'm not a normal person. So last week, I published a comment from some troll. She has no followers. She follows anyone. She doesn't even follow me, but she commented like, you've gone too far with the plastic surgery. Fine. I really don't mind this, but I shouldn't really amplify it when I'm giving my little snappy retort because a lot of people who do follow me are different. They have feelings. And I got all these messages like, Catherine, don't worry. Catherine, this is just a troll. You are so beautiful. That was not my intention in amplifying. I was trying to be funny. I think my response was something like, go fuck yourself, Joan, et cetera, et cetera, because my aim is to empower and embolden people to have the same attitude to anyone who takes time out of their day to tell you that you're ugly or comment on your appearance at all. So that happened. And then I I instantly wished I'd taken it back when I started getting all those messages. I was like, oh, I don't want to make people feel sad for me. Fine. And that day I had loads of meetings in London and I put on this wild, like forest green, really high-waisted leather skirt And I had a Balenciaga t-shirt on and then this really oversized like plaid jacket that Bobby bought me and a toque and this crossbody bag, some Louboutin loafers and some grandma sunglasses with a little pearl chain. I thought it looked so cool, but very like grandma cool. And I was like, this outfit, this is the most amazing outfit. I had my fresh new haircut and I went out into the city. After my meeting, I bump into two young lads in the lobby of this beautiful hotel, a beautiful, beautiful, swanky hotel that's just had actually like billions of investment. It's called the Broadwick. Is that what it's called? And it's in Soho. And it's, if you can see the interiors of this place, like don't walk or run to get into this hotel. They have a lot of different lounges and restaurants. They have an Italian downstairs called Dear Jackie. And then they have a rooftop bar. It's just like exquisite. I'm in the most privileged place in the world, possibly just looking at all these tasteful interiors. And as they come out, these young guys are like, girl, you look amazing. And I was like, correct, I do look amazing. And they were like, ooh, look at this outfit, girl. And I was like, oh my God, these young, beautiful boys appreciate how stunning my outfit is. And I said, hold on right there. Let me show you the whole look with the glasses. And I put my grandma glasses on and they were like, oh yes, it's giving grandma. I was like, yes, where's your Nana? Do you miss your Nana? Do you love your Nana? Here she is. And I stepped out of the hotel into Soho and instantly a alcoholic, you know, not, you know, I understand people are navigating different issues, but this was like an absolute piss soaked crackhead comes up to me in the street, very aggressively, right in my face, like stopping me from moving, bumping his shoulders into me. It was like, ugly, 
fucking ugly. Very fucking ugly. You are ugly. And I was just like, yeah, sounds about right. I wasn't intimidated. I just thought like, of course, of course, in the most beautiful place on earth, these two young, most beautiful boys on earth tell me I'm gorgeous. I step out into the real world and like a very sick, troubled man gets hostile with me and screams in my face how ugly I am. And I just thought it's the old adage of like hurt people hurt people. And if you have a beautiful mindset and you're in a privileged position, then you can only see beautiful things. And when you're very low, then, I mean, maybe he did just think I was super ugly. Like it was a controversial outfit. (laughs) But when you feel like you're in an ugly place, then everything looks ugly. And I just thought, yeah, this is the embodiment of what happens online. But I didn't mind. I just went about my day. Do, do, do. I knew I looked good anyway. Then the tube was closed and I had to find another way home. But it was like my experience of Barbie going from Barbie land into the real world. I really felt in that moment like, huh? What's happening? I was in the beautiful hotel and now a vagrant is screaming in my face how ugly I am. Why? Amy Schumer was originally supposed to play Barbie. Oh, God. You know, I think Margot Robbie is a wonderful, very talented person. Very. And I don't know why Amy Schumer turned Barbie down. And who knows how it would have gone. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been nominated at all, to be fair, because I I do think the Oscars hate comedy. (laughs) But it would have been really much funnier for me. And I'm always just out here trying to have a laugh in these streets. So let's take a brief break and hear from our sponsors. And when we return, I will open your emails. I will see what letters, comments, questions, and dilemmas you've sent me this week. If you ever want to write me a letter, it is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you want to see little clips of this podcast or get in touch with me that way, and you don't feel like emailing, but by the way, if you email, I always keep it anonymous, but you can hit me up on Instagram. My Instagram is Kathbum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Telling Everybody Everything. We're in the house now, in the kitchen, and the family are all around. So the quality of this podcast just keeps going down, down, downhill. Fred's here. He's being relatively quiet for Fred. Hi, Fred. Nope, not interested. So I asked last week for petty pranks that won't land you in jail. And there were a lot of responses related to the original listener who had been sleeping with a man who already had a girlfriend. And then the girlfriend reached out to her. The listener told this girlfriend the whole truth. They shared bottles of wine. They became friends. And unfortunately, even after showing the girlfriend loads of text messages and evidence of foul play, she went back to the boyfriend. And I was like, yeah, she feels low because she was cheated on. That's why. Don't take it personally. But on social media anyway, a lot of you were like, and you're a bitch. And why were you sleeping with this guy? And you really turned on the listener. Look, I feel like she was remorseful. A lot of you think that she was getting some kind of sick pleasure from telling everything to the girlfriend. But at the end of the day, what we can all agree on is that this boyfriend deserves some petty pranks that won't land anyone in jail. So I said, what pranks can you do when you have someone's address? They all live in the same block. Overwhelmingly, the response was glitter bomb. This was sent dozens of times. Joanne has forwarded this glitter bomb website to me, and she said she feels that the environment is a victim in this one. Yes, but the environment is his environment, and glitter, especially three heaps of micro glitter, is very difficult to clean. It'll be on his face, it'll be on his clothes, it'll be in his home. 
his carpet. You never, ever get glitter out. Another suggestion is that you should wait for his favorite show season finale. This would have been useful last night during the Traders season finale. Wait for the new season or a big sports game that he likes on cable TV to air. Minutes or even seconds beforehand, disconnect whatever streaming service or cable service of yours he's likely still using. And let's not forget the cheeky classic. This works in a small town or with a small circle. Start a rumor that your ex has a massive penis. Excessively, amazingly, is great in bed, etc. so that he can disappoint others with his mediocrity for years to come. I mean, I feel like that would be the prank that he would love. He doesn't care about satisfying these women. He cares about using them, cheating on them. Another sound from the kitchen that is omnipresent is Megan's breathing. If you think you hear some piglet or the noise of something passing gas, it's just Megan breathing because she has a really flat face. We filmed our sort of reality show, even though we were constantly promised it wasn't a reality show, but it sort of definitely is one. Uh, Parental Guidance, that comes out on W Network on February 5th. You can watch it on UKTV. It's weekly, but the entire series will be available immediately February 5th to watch on demand. They filmed that in the house, and they kept scooting Megan out of the room to film. And I was like, listen, this dog lives here, and that's how she breathes. But to an audio engineer, it's very annoying, and hopefully not too annoying to you now. Kicking off this week's new dilemmas and letters, Catherine. I've been with my girlfriend for three years and we have a baby together. Prior to dating me, she was in a 10-year relationship and I've recently found out she was cheating on that boyfriend on and off for two years toward the end. I've always had a feeling that there was something more to this guy who she was cheating with as they Snapchat each other, they like each other's photos, or they were doing this at least when we got together. It always played on my mind. I've raised it several times, which has been completely downplayed with her saying nothing happened. But then I went on her phone. It's wrong, I know. And I got the confirmation I needed that she was cheating. I confronted her and she admitted the whole thing, but said they only slept together twice throughout that period. And the rest, during the time she was with me, was just messaging. But even if this is true, twice is too many times for me. The fact she carried on Snapchatting him while she was with me infuriates me even more and makes me feel like she's got no respect for me either. She has since blocked and deleted this man, but it's taken the confrontation to even make this happen. Since I found out for sure, I've completely lost any trust and respect for her, and the way I look at her has completely changed. Do I try to get past this, forgive and forget for the sake of our daughter, or is this the type of damage that is too much for any relationship? Does staying mean that I accept this kind of behavior? Let me tell you something about women, and this is not all women, because I'm sure some of them are, you know, they, they have sex like men. I don't know. But all the women that I know would never, ever cheat in a good relationship, whereas I think men can be psychopathic. Like, they can have five good relationships Like the guy on Traders, because I'm behind, just the other night, Jazz, was saying that he had this wonderful, upstanding father. This is not a Trader spoiler, by the way. He had a wonderful, upstanding father, like really respected in his community, really successful. And then they find out he has a whole secret family, and he's a granddad. And that really affected his son. His son's like, what the hell? So like, you're just a liar? You've been lying to me my whole life? I don't think that women do that. Oh, no, Bobby's here. He'll have a, he'll disagree. This is the other trouble, my G, is that you had a child with this woman. So the end of my answer is going to be you do have to really try hard to work it out because you have no idea what kind of hell you're in for if you split up. And eventually you'll work out the co-parenting, but it's just not worth it. Just try to stay together if you can. Do you think this means that she is a habitual cheater and she's going to end up cheating on him because now he doesn't trust her? Though she never directly cheated on Mm -hmm. him, but she kept talking to the guy she had been sleeping with when... He was dating. I don't know. I do, yes, like you said, kind of disagree. I think women will cheat whether they're in a happy relationship or not. I think men do more so for sure, but. Um, well, I've cheated on people before, but I've not cheated on you, and you don't think I'm going to cheat on you because no. of that. No, but some people just like, you know, like the office affairs, they happen, like, or. Why whatever. aren't you pissed that I've cheated on people before? Like, this guy's pissed. I don't know, maybe he's already kind of not trusting her already. Oh. And then like this gives him more ammo. I don't know. Bobby's now making a smoothie during the podcast regard. So essentially, there are too many dumbbells in my podcast studio and just one in the kitchen. Um, 
Listen, Bobby knows I'm not going to cheat on him, even though I am a historical cheater. Maybe he just doesn't care, or maybe he just knows I'm too busy. But you seem to have trust issues in your relationship. And I, again, I will reiterate what I said before. If you have a child, it is a mess that you cannot predict and you're not even ready for. When you have a child with someone, only split up with them as a very last resort or if you or your child are unsafe. You're a grown-up. She's a grown-up. I think continue talking about these trust issues. Next letter, Catherine, you address controversial topics with ease and finesse. My husband and I are married for over 10 years. We have kids and we're generally happy together. He's religious. I'm not. I was concerned this would cause difficulties when we first got together and he assured me that our differences were not a reason to be apart. I've always asserted that I have my own non-traditionally religious beliefs. I told him I didn't object to raising children in his religion, but I would not convert myself and I would always keep to my own beliefs. In keeping with his beliefs, he does not support same-sex marriage. Keeping that in mind, he has never been offensive or rude to any gay person that we meet, and I am openly supportive of gay people, as am I. The problems have started to arise since our oldest started school. The schools are increasingly educating in a positive manner with regards to trans and gay rights. My husband's horrified by this, and I believe much of his horror is the idea that this will influence our son to follow this lifestyle as he sees it. I don't agree. He's asked me to support his position, but I cannot. I don't want to break up our otherwise happy marriage, though. I'm lost. I really don't know how to tackle this. I've reached a temporary agreement with him that if the kids ask questions about this, I will tell them that they and their dad follow said religion and so to ask their dad. I'm not fully happy with this solution, but I'm not sure what to do. Divorce seems like an extreme solution, but not one I've ruled out completely. Oh, wow. But to repeat, I have young kids and I love my husband. I don't agree with this position, and I'm concerned his position will cause further arguments between us all, and maybe between him and the children. That is a huge problem. That's a big, bad, like fundamental values issue that I wish people would discuss. I mean, how can you really? How could you 10 years ago discuss, like, when they start introducing trans rights into schools? Like, we just didn't think that that would be a thing for our children. I mean, we definitely had trans people and knowledge of being transgendered when I was growing up, but it was not discussed in schools or part of the curriculum. So that's going to be a big adjustment for people. And it goes against, you know, a, a big part of who he is and how he was raised. I guess I would say to my husband, that <laughs> lovely Fredo yeah you can listen to it back in a minute I would say that part of tolerance I mean I hate to use the word tolerance because I don't, I don't think it's a mean way to uh, talk about someone's human rights, but I just feel like part of being a servant of God is understanding that we're all different. And this seems like an idea that's fine until you have your own children and your children in the school. And I know what your husband's afraid of. Your husband thinks that you can make someone transgendered or gay just by talking about it, which you obviously disagree with. And so do I. I mean, I think I would just say like, our kids are gonna have a really terrible time in school if you teach them values that are so different to their peers and their generation and like just don't give them a hard time let them go to school and have your values that you have at home and don't interfere with the school but like it's really scary to leave your children in a stranger's care and certainly to institutionalize them and to think that you know because i don't even like this new legislation i understand who it's for but I don't like the rule that says, oh, if your child is trans, then we don't have to tell you. We're just going to call them their preferred pronouns and their preferred name at school, and we're never going to feed any of that back to you. I don't like any rule that breaks down communication lines between like the school and the family. But again, I don't exist in a vacuum of my own rights. This rule is keeping a lot of kids safe who don't have, you know, the a very supportive upbringing. So like, it is, it is tough, and you're going to have to make 
these compromises all the time when you decide to institutionalize your kids and send them to school. And I think I would just acknowledge that to your husband. I'd just be like, I understand how you feel about letting go of our son and putting him in an environment where people will always have some differences of opinion than we do, different values than we do or you do, namely husband. I'd say it's something that you can hopefully largely ignore for now. Like you love your husband and you don't want to split up your marriage and it's a difference of values, but you you guys did decide to marry each other and this is what happens. Now you share a child and your child goes to a Western school where like, this is what they're doing. So I think I would just talk about it as little as possible as long as your husband isn't saying hateful things to the children. Just do what so many wives do. Be like, yep, yes, I support you in this. Yep, yep, yep. And then just hope that it doesn't become a bigger issue. And then if it does, address it at that time. I think there are a lot of things that in your marriage you just kind of have to sweep under the rug sometimes. Be like, we're just going to let this not be a bigger deal than it has to be right now. (gasps) Catherine, my married teacher kissed me. Catherine, I struggling. When I was 24, I went out dancing with my friends. I ran into my old PE teacher. I did PE as a hire, so like you were good at it. So I spent a lot of time with him, and we had a fairly good relationship at the time, I thought. He was one of the younger teachers. He was known to flirt with the senior students and young teachers, but I was very conservative at school, and I didn't fall prey. It's a fairly small town, and I recently heard he got married. So I congratulated him. We got chatting. He bought me drink after drink, even though I refused. I didn't know where my friends had gone to, and I knew I'd had enough drinks to call it a night. I told him, and he leaned in and kissed me. He asked me to come home with him. I freaked out, pushed him off me, ran outside. The bouncer saw how upset I was and called me a taxi. My teacher ran out after me and kept trying to kiss me and cuddle me in an effort to calm me down. Oh my gosh, I thought he was going to follow you out of the bar and apologize. I was freaking out because I thought I had done something to lead him on. I now know he was just an advantage-taking prick. I'm 28 now, and I'm married with three kids under three. God bless you. So naturally, I'm at baby toddler classes every damn day. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. I made friends with a really nice lady. She has a wee boy the same age as one of mine. And guess who this nice lady turned out to be? The teacher's wife. I avoid her now. I moved baby classes. I know most folk that have been cheated on know, but I hate that she keeps trying to establish a friendship with me, and I'm being so cold. I feel guilty. I see this woman three times a week. Should I tell her? I just feel awful every time she speaks to me, and she's so lovely to me about my kids. Any advice for a mom who thought she'd left the drama behind? P.S. Everyone's so impressed that my babies are potty trained, and it was you who gave me the confidence to follow through with elimination communication. Thank you so much. If you have young children, go back and listen to the potty training episode. It's very controversial. And you know, I found out this, look, I'm getting back to your problem in one minute, but I found a lot of people uh, really get aggravated about this idea of early potty training. It, It rubs them the wrong way. It really strikes a chord. I think that it plays on feelings of not being a good enough parent and inadequacy in that area. And that's not what I'm trying to do. It's like, we all do things differently, but if you can help someone not shit their pants, then do it. Uh, And a lot of people were citing articles. They're going, many articles say that it's very damaging to early potty train. And I actually looked into these articles, quote unquote articles. Most of them are just regurgitations of one article. So like even with me, Bobby and I will go out somewhere and take pictures and that picture will be used in a variety of different articles or I'll say to one magazine like we have sex twice a month and then that is hello magazine have a version of it and the sun have a version of it and the daily mail have a version of it but it's not like 10 different interviews it's something I said once and the same happens with research and the same happens with you know potty training quote-unquote studies it isn't even a study it's this guy Steve Hughes who is a doctor at a school in like Salem where witches come from Uh, He has no residency as far as I can see. I don't really know. I've never heard. It's called like Wichita. I don't know the school. It could be a very well-respected school, but he's apparently an MD of pediatric urology. And I thought, all right, maybe he knows what he's talking about. But then he has a website about bedwetting where he just wants to sell you a 250-pound course and he wants to sell you all these books to potty train your toddlers and to stop them wetting the bed. 
So I don't have anything to sell you on the subject. He does. His article keeps being used. Why do you think that is? So back to you. This kiss was four years ago. And I think what happens when you are in the company of someone that you knew from childhood as an authority figure or a teacher figure is you get transported back to the person you were when you first got to know them, especially if it's just a brief encounter at a pub like that. He will have you feeling like a teenager, which is why it brought back up feelings of like guilt. Oh, had I let him on? Had I led him on and I'd done the wrong thing? He's just being a lech. I would never advocate telling the wife that her husband is a creep because as we learned from last week's listener, even though you did nothing wrong, there's a huge chance that the wife, A, already knows he's a creep and is just going to be really embarrassed that you also know. Oh, she could be struggling in her own way and really suffering with this guy. I mean, I'm sure it's not the first time he's done something like this. Or she doesn't know, and if she doesn't know, she might not believe you. And then you become, you put yourself in quite a vulnerable position. So I would always mind my business with things like that. Or if you really like her and you do want to be friends, you have nothing to feel guilty about. It's not as though you have to go to a dinner party and hang out with her husband. You could just be her friend. And if you feel like you really need to insert yourself in a safe way, you could ask questions like, oh, you're married to my high school PE coach. Oh, okay. How is he now? Oh, yeah. Does he do this? Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you guys go on holiday. You know, like get the sense of what kind of an asshole he is. What he did was not illegal, but it's fucking gross. And I'm sorry that you went through that. And if you don't want to be her friend, there's no shame in that either. Just be like pleasantries when you see her at these classes. But ultimately, you don't have time to be friends with anyone anyway because you have three children under three. In the very last letter this week, Catherine, when I was 16, I worked in a supermarket. Not just any supermarket. Oh, okay. And I experienced a relationship with a male who was 22 and had lots of firsts with him. He was quite the adventurer. We had lots of experiences. As a 16-year-old, I probably shouldn't have had them. But then I found out he was shagging another co-worker, so I broke it off. I was heartbroken, though. I'd been playing an online game he introduced me to and continued when we split up. On the game, I met a man who I confided in. I was heartbroken, and he suggested I could visit him and stay with him. So much WTF. I turned 17 and decided I was a grown-up so I could travel to England to stay with him, telling my parents I was at a girlfriend's house. This man was 32. He had his own house and job. I thought, wow, I've made it in life, a shortcut to bypass all the childish, cheating 22-year-olds. I have jumped straight to a well-adjusted man, lol. See, that's the thing. That's why 17-year-olds are such easy prey because, and I was with a 30-year-old briefly when I was 17 as well. Um, and it's because you feel like chosen and you feel cool, but he's actually the biggest loser in the town or he wouldn't be spending time with a 17 year old. Ugh. <clears throat> I would visit him on weekends. I fell madly in love. Long story short, he turned out to be a recovering heroin addict who'd been involved in the prison system. I still decided anyone can change, blame the frontal lobe. I transferred my job there and almost the second I did, he lost his job so fast. So now I'm working two jobs to pay his mortgage, busting a gut while he's smoking heroin, calling me crazy for suspecting him of smoking heroin. I went on meds because I was so delusional thinking he was using again when he assured me he wasn't. <gasps> then we had a baby, my beloved, my greatest gift in the universe. All of a sudden my brain fully develops. I see sense. I leave him and I move back home. The happy ending is fine. <laughs> However, now I am the age he was when we first met. Ah, and I'm thinking, oh my God, how the fuck on earth did he want a relationship with a 17-year-old at that age? He hasn't seen his child in years. He just answers FaceTimes when I call him. What are your thoughts? My thoughts? What are my thoughts? Like, I mean, I would end these FaceTimes. My thoughts are, like, I'm glad that you survived this, and I'm so happy that your frontal lobe was developed enough at age 25 to take your baby and run. But I feel like this guy, while not a criminal in the pedo sense, technically a criminal in the heroin sense, maybe, uh, and I think when you take heroin, you probably do other crimes. It's like a gateway, gateway crime. <laughs> you know, you sell all your shit, and then who knows what else. 
um, this sounds like a really bad guy and you had a near death experience is what I would call this relationship. And I totally understand that it all came to a head when you reached his age. I feel like when people lose their parents and they reach their parents' age, when they become older than their parents ever were, that's a tough time for people. Like when you reach sort of any traumatic trigger like that, you're going to think of it all again. And like, no, you would never be with a 17-year-old. But that, babe, is because you're not a heroin addict. Like this man is lost and was lost. And I cannot even believe that you're making an effort to FaceTime him, your precious, precious child. And thank God for you that this child like could have been born to him and, you know, be a different pool of DNA and have like a heroin addict mom as well. So well done staying clean. Cause I'll tell you what else, a lot of 17 year olds might have been pulled into that lifestyle through coercive control or like no other way out or whatever, or normalizing his behavior. So I think you just need to look at the positives, like where you triumphed during this near death experience as basically a child yourself. So congratulations, stop FaceTiming him unless the courts make you, which I can't really see them doing. I know people will disagree with me on that and be like, the baby deserves to see your crackhead dad. No, I'm no, no. And um, please look after yourself. I'm so proud of you. Well done. Well done. It is never too late to stop making a bad decision. Please look after yourselves. Thank you so much for writing me. If you ever want to write me a letter, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com